This is Transistor.fm. Hey, product people. Kyle Fox is back this week to talk about what happened when they launched, the metrics they've used since then, and the lessons they learned along the way. If you're doing agile development and your tools are too complicated, you need to try Sprintly. I use it at work and love it. You can try it free at www.sprint.ly. Yeah. So how how were you building this list? Uh, how did the um, how did people hear about it? So to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. We just built like a really, I think our teaser page was um, kind of compelling. It was like, it was a pretty, uh, uh, to use the word, I don't know. I guess you could say it was a sexy design. Like it had like a nice damask wallpaper. It was all like dark and then it had a bright, like bright pink logo with a bright pink button, which I guess around that time was pretty different than a lot of things you'd see. Okay. Um, and it was yeah. intentionally pretty mysterious and overly sensational. It was like, you know, ph- photojournalism is going to change the way photographers blog or something, you know, something yeah. just like so over the top. And like, that's all it said. So I think the page itself was really compelling. And how did people find the page? So, Exactly. So at that time, there wasn't really Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Man, that makes me feel old to say that. Like, well, back, back in my day, we didn't have the Twitters. We didn't, we didn't have web browsers. But So how did so, people hear about it if there was not yeah, so, that stuff? Um, so our friends, Rob and Lauren, who we were building uh, this the blog for, they had a fairly good following on another blog they ran um, called the wedding travelers. So they like, they, they shot a lot of Indian weddings and things like that, which like, I mean, Indian weddings make for some spectacular photography. So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty awesome blog and they got a lot of readers. So uh, they kind of were, you know, alluding to the fact that this new thing was like being being built kind of along alongside with uh, with them as partners, sort of thing. So we got a lot of the initial traffic through them, Interesting. and then and beyond that, I don't really know. Like, how much of it was word of mouth um, and people sharing the link? I'm not sure. Like, it uh, we didn't really have a lot of ways to to track that setup. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. We didn't do any um, content marketing or blogging or anything like that. We basically put zero effort into promoting it, other than like sharing the link here and there. And I, th- I think it speaks to um, how powerful design can be. Like, I think if that page had, like, again, it was like per- my perfectionism. Like that that teaser page was pretty nice as far as teaser pages go. Yeah. And I think that's probably what helped um, boost. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what our traffic was like, but I bet you our conversion rate was pretty high. You know, people hitting the page, I bet a lot of them signed up. 
huh. course, in retrospect, I wish we had tracked that sort of thing. But um, yeah. the problem probably wasn't getting people to sign up. It was getting them to the page. And I think if we had known how to drive more traffic to the page, we probably would have had an even larger launch list. So how, how big was the launch list when when you did launch? Um, I think it was around, uh, I think it was between 350 and 400 people. Okay. So you launched by, and you, did you, was that your launch plan was to send <laughs> this email this email out? Exactly, yeah. And so what we did was, I think, um, it was kind of, it was kind of hokey the way we did it. So we like we launched in April of 2010, and I think in January of 2010 we picked I can't remember either 50 or 100 people to be beta testers. Okay. And we like sent them sent them a link to sign up and create their account and everything and. I mean, we I hadn't like we had no idea how to run a beta testing program. We we're yeah. just like, oh, we'll just we'll just let people use it for a few months first, and then um, find any like big big problems, and then launch it. And the problem was because, like I, I said earlier, like the whole perfectionism thing. Yeah. So the beta the beta testing phase was a bit hokey because. Pretty much we had ironed out all the bugs. It was kind of like we felt like um, it was almost ceremony because, you know, that's when everyone was, everything was in beta. Um, beta was like the cool thing. So yeah. it was almost like a disclaimer, like, hey, this isn't totally finished yet. So if you run into big problems, don't blame us because it's just a beta. Yeah. So we ran this, this beta and... Um, it was good. Like we got some decent feedback. Um, can you still hear me? Okay. By the yeah. Way? Yeah. Okay. Um, we got decent feedback. Um, the one, I guess, talking about the beta two, one thing that I would change or do differently, or say that we at least did wrong, was out of all these people, um, we basically gave them free photojournal for life accounts, mm. which at the time was like, yeah, like they're doing us a huge favor by doing this beta testing. Um, so we'll, you know, we, I think it speaks to how skewed our value, our understanding of the value of our product was. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, we'll give them Frodo Journal free for, for life because, well, it's not going to cost us anything. Like that's how we approached it. It was like a cost approach. Yeah. Um, and in retrospect, I, I would like betas are good. Like it's good to like bring on users as soon as you possibly can. Um, but I would never like give free for life again. Yeah. Um, because really, what we did was we we picked I think like the first fifty or a hundred people who signed up for our list, and really those people should be our most passionate customers. You know, like they were the ones who were like, photojournal is like what I'm looking for. I can't wait to use it. You know, that sort of thing. Like we really kind of possibly cut out not only, not only the revenue from like 50 to a hundred customers, yeah. but I think people value things differently when they're paying for them. And yeah. it may be more, 
you know, if you're if you're paying um, if you're paying the monthly fee for it, you might, you know, in your mind it might be higher value to you than it's like, oh, it's this thing I got free once, so That's I still right. use it because it's free, yeah. and which has an effect on how. I guess you know the more the more somebody values something, I guess the more likely they are to share it and like tell other people about it. If like yeah, I'm using this awesome thing that they gave me six months free because I tested it out, but I'm still using it because it's awesome. Like yeah, so yeah, I think I think of two I think. things there. I think you know there, people can do a beta that has a time limit. So once we launch, this will no longer be free, and you convert to a paying product. Um, the other thing I've seen is, you know, I mean, I, I paid for Buffer, you know, while they were still developing the product. Like it was, it was right. definitely not, you know, completely finished. And um, I think if you're passionate, you know, there are going to be some customers that are so passionate about the problem that you're fixing that they, you know, they're, they're going to be excited to be kind of part of the building process even while they're p paying you. Oh, exactly. And like since since PhotoJournal, I've worked on other projects where it's it's been that like you know customers pleading, please let me give you money so that I can use this thing that yeah. you're yeah. talking about building, right? Like it's it's totally possible to have that relationship, which is a lot better because I mean, if you're trying to build a business, that's that's how you value that validate it. You don't validate it because your beta users. Who you've given free accounts to? Say yeah, exactly. They like it. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so you launch in April 2010. What's the response? You send out your email. What's the response? How many people did you have sign up? Um, so, well, first, like, so it was pretty awesome. So it was like a Sunday night, and we were like, we're actually at John's dad's office. We had gone there for this for Sunday and like hauled our IMAX there and we're working on it and um, and we packed up and we we're like okay like let's flip the switch so we like flip the switch we're like sweet it's launched you know high five and then send out <laughs> a quick quick message to uh, our list like yeah we launched and pack up our computers like you know dust off our hands and we're like yeah. all right now let's let's go home and like Go to bed because it's yeah. like late. Yeah, yeah. And as we're like walking to the car, it's like our vehicles. It's like, oh, the site just got slammed with traffic and we're down. So we like <laughs> bolted back inside like with our huge IMAX, like unpacked them, set them all up and like cut out a few fires and stuff. But uh, Which is like, again, another like lesson. You want to like, you know, just... Don't, you don't want to launch on like a Sunday night when you're like you want to go home and go to bed because yeah. things things will break. <laughs> um, but I mean, we had we had our first paying customers within you know minutes of them being able to sign up and pay. So um, wow, was, okay, well, so so you didn't have a trial plan. You just had people went straight to pay. Uh, no, sorry. There, like, there was a thirty-day trial, but I should say, like, they people were signing up for. Like, at the time, we had a free plan, and then a nine-dollar a month plan, and a sixteen-dollar a month plan. Yeah. And like, right out of the gate, people were signing up for the paid plans, which I guess, like, um, doesn't mean they necessarily were were paying customers then. But I mean, at least 
you know, if somebody signs up for a paid trial, that's a lot different than a free plan because yeah. they at least have intent to pay if it's good and what they want, right? So like we had, it was compelling enough that they were willing to consider paying that amount. Um, and and actually though, no, now that I think of it, we did have some paying customers because at the time, and this is one thing I, I would say we did right, um, we offered a yearly plan. So I think we offered like 25% off if you bought, if you paid for the whole year up front, mm-hmm. which was good because, um, you know, we immediately we were immediately cash flow positive because of that decision. Um, huh. So we've never. I mean, there's a few months um, during development where we were paying twenty dollars a month for our our hosting, but mm-hmm. we were we're on like a VPS, so it was we started off on the basic plan, which is twenty bucks a month or whatever, and then at launch, I think we upgraded a few tiers just to be on the safe side, and we were able to do that without being out of pocket because of that yearly plan. So we reimbursed ourselves for the, for what we had been paying out of pocket for our hosting costs. And then we also had cash going forward to pay for like the better hosting plans. Yeah. Which when you you say cash flow positive, you mean you're able to pay for your kind of fixed costs, right? So not necessarily like turning a profit. I mean, I, I guess we were, it's hard for me. I actually don't really remember the numbers and I don't think we have them recorded anywhere, but, um, but yeah, like basically we, it was like no longer did we have to pay out of pocket and mm-hmm. we had, we had some money that we could use towards, um, towards like the things we wanted. For example, setting up, um, our tender support site, I think it's uh, 25 or 30 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And like suddenly we, we could do that or we could, pay for other services that we kind of wanted to use. But, you know, when you're in development, you don't want to pay for it. It's like, okay, now we've got some cash. We can actually pay for things that will help us run this machine better. Yeah. So do you remember how many people kind of roughly out of your three to 500, how many people signed up for a free trial? How many people signed up for some sort of paying trial? And then, you know, how many paying customers did you have, um, you know, after the initial 30-day trial? Right out of the gate. Um, Let me see. I don't, um, I don't actually. And this is probably gets to um, uh, like, I would say probably gets to like the, the point of like where I think our, my biggest weakness, like running a SaaS business Mm -hmm. was um, well, and, and still is to a large degree is the importance of tracking and measuring that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. we kind of, you know, we launched it and we're like, well, we'll, we'll fiddle with the knobs and like, maybe like maybe our revenue will go up and maybe people will find us. And like the whole idea of even, you know, tracking how many people who, who sign up for trials lapse versus continue on to be paying customers like that's to to be honest we've never actually set that up it's always just been kind of going by um like gut reactions to like the data we're seeing as it comes in we'll be like oh this week we had a lot of people sign up for for the pro account and Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and that's kind of where i got got left, right? There's no, there hasn't been any really following up on how many, 
how many of those people are still active after a few months or um, how many people are signing up for free trials versus uh, the free plan, that sort of thing. So, I mean, the fact that you asked that question, which is a pretty le like legitimate question and I'm unable to answer it kind of shows <laughs> um, how, like, you know, without like tracking and metrics and stuff like that, even basic stuff, like it's, you're basically operating in the dark. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you have any sense of like, if you had 400 people on your l launch list, do you have any mm -hmm. sense of how many signed up for an account? Um, let me see. I could actually, um, I can do a quick query here on our database. So in May of 2010, we had um, 138 signups. 138. And yeah, let me have a look here. Let me see if I go back a month. Oh, you know what? It must have been at the end of March that we launched. So, right, okay, start of April. So April is actually the month we launched. We had uh, 241 signups in April. So 241 signups in April on launch. And then the next month, you had 138 signups. So you had hundreds of people using this right after you launched. Yeah, and like that's... <clears throat> So, I mean, we hadn't really done a great job of, like, the actual marketing side of the product. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, in fact, the sales site was built, um, I think, the hour before we launched. It was like, oh, I guess we need some kind of thing at myphotojournal.com when they go to it so that they know to sign up. Because we were like totally like, if we make this thing awesome, everyone's going to sign up and pay us money for it. And then we're like, yeah, we should like flip the switch. It's like, I guess there should be something at our at our website telling them how to sign up. So yeah. it was literally like slapped together. And it was like that for, I don't know, probably, well, actually just uh, last year, February of uh, 20, we made some incremental changes about like, Last February of 2012 is when I completely like redesigned the sales site. So I mean, for um, when these people were hitting the site, it was like not at all geared for conversion. It was pretty awful. Like, in fact, like the well, I shouldn't say it was awful. The, the main thing that they saw was recent activity on the community. So a lot of people that I talked to were confused because they kind of thought it was like an aggregator or something. Or people okay, thought yeah. that, it, that, that it was my blog because when you went there, it was thumbnails and titles of all the blog posts that were happening on PhotoJournal. And then in the sidebar, it was like, want to create your own blog? Like, click here. Yeah. Um, so, but, but even still, like, yeah, we had right off the bat, like, a few hundred people using it. I think if we were to, like, drive more traffic, if we were, if we would have been able to drive more traffic, maybe, like, signups would have, would have been higher. But, uh yeah, so like we, people are using it. <laughs> yeah, people are trying it out, and mm -hmm. and can you give us a sense, like right now, two two years later, what kind of like, and so how many yeah. paying customers do you have today? Uh, let me just look here. So without giving the the exact number, um, sure. Let's say, um, I don't know, it's over three hundred. Let's say. Okay. So. Wow, so you you've got yourself three hundred paying customers now. Yeah, that's that's roughly where things are at now. Um, and so, where do you think you're going to go next? Well, to be honest, um, I'm not entirely sure. And this is, I would say, this is um, probably been the other 
biggest, I guess, obviously like photojournalism is like explosive success. Um, it's like, it, it does grow modestly every month and like it does make revenue and customers are happy, but it's never like really, um, you know, I never seen like that hockey stick growth. Not that I even expected it, but like, you know, it's not even to the point where it's paying somebody's full-time salary. Yeah. Um, so like the frustrating part is, um, I'm, I'm like a hundred percent confident that photojournal could be turned into a business that pays one person, at least one person's full-time salary, if not more like I'm, I would say in terms of like finding a market that's willing to pay, um, I think this is like done that. Um, and every time we put more effort into it, we see, you know, we see a return on it. So mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like this, this thing that's just waiting for some attention to like tweak it and turn it into uh, a success, like a really successful online business. Um, yeah. And it sounds like the product the, is solid. It's, it's the marketing that you're thinking about right now. Exactly. So like, um, to give a bit of backstory, so it's photojournal has always kind of been like a side project for me and John. Um, and we were like, <clears throat> we'll, we'll grow it on the side. We'll like spend some time fixing bugs, like blah, blah, blah. But it's really hard to, um, to gain like, I guess, not even an exponential growth, but significant growth that way. Like it, it does grow a bit on its own, but it's like, I would say it's cumulative cumulative growth like it's just it's slowly getting bigger yeah if um which is like i mean if you want to turn it into a business like you're that's a long haul like that's not the way to do it um, mm -hmm. and it took us a while like it took a lot of learning to realize okay if we want to turn this into our primary gigs like we've got to put a lot of effort into not just making the product better but like the marketing side of it and then everything that goes along with that, like blogging and running ad campaigns and, um, and, and learning about like, so not only like, like what I talked earlier about, like what a challenge it is tracking metrics. And I mean, that's still something I struggle with, like not just knowing what things to track, but what they mean and how to take action on those things. And, and technically how do you track it? I mean, churn is a pretty good example where, you know, most people immediately think they, they understand what churn is. It's, you know, it's the number of cancellations over the number of, well, there's two ways, either the number of cancellations over the number of total users in a given period of time, or the number of canceled users divided by the number of new users in a period of time. <clears throat> but Shopify has a great post. That's like how we calculate churn. And they go through like, they go through like five or six fairly complicated examples of how they were calculating it and why it's wrong. Yeah. Um, and because there's so many things you need to take into account, like is a, is a lapsed trial, is that churn? What about when somebody goes to the free plan and just stops paying you? Like, is that churn? Um, it's an incredibly complicated uh, subject. And yeah. in some ways tracking things and recording metrics incorrectly is is worse than not recording anything at all yeah. for example if you if you record churn wrong and you're recording it as like say a percentage of um, total users who are canceling and your growth is um, is constant your churn rate is 
because your your overall user base is growing, but the number of users who are canceling is more or less constant, your churn rate is actually going to go down, right? Like gotcha, month yeah. by month, your percentage is going to get lower and lower. And you might think, you know, pat on the back, we're decreasing churn. And it's like, no, that's just an artifact of the way you're calculating churn. So, which can lead you to make like bad, bad decisions. assumptions about what, yeah. exactly. You could be like, okay, we don't need to focus on retention because our churn is decreasing. When that's not like your problem is that if you're if that's happening, the real reason that's happening is because your growth is constant, and and that's the problem you should be solving. You should be figuring out how can we get more users than we got last month. That's right. Um, so there's all these lessons that I mean, it's taken you know a year to like learn about all these different things that we need to do and figure out what to do with them, and. Uh, so, so last summer, um, I decided to um, quit my job at CarbonMade, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to like, now that I've, I'm starting to get a handle on some of this stuff, um, <clears throat> I think I can turn it into a business. The, I, I think I've validated the market. Um, we ran a survey, which was like incredibly positive results, um, and it was just like super validating to hear people say like, oh, actually, I should read you one response here. We had a question. That was um, what alternative would you likely use if PhotoJournal weren't available? Yeah, and it was like a bunch of fixed options, but we also had a free form. And one person wrote, um, "I would, I would weep openly in a corner on a pile of ashes." <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty good feedback. Yeah. So, it was, and it was positive. Like um, a lot of the questions in this survey were based off of. I think it was. I can't remember, maybe it was Jason Cohen posted on his blog, like a few questions to ask that'll really help you determine if you've hit, if you've got like a good product market fit. And one of them was, how would you feel if you could no longer use this product? That's a good one. Like, if you've got something like um, 40% or higher saying that they would be disappointed, then you've got like a, you got a promising product market fit. Mm -hmm. And um, so in our survey, we had 108 respondents. And um, let me just add this up here. Um, out of that, 94 said they would be disappointed. Wow. And 50, 57 of those said they would be very disappointed if they couldn't use PhotoJournal. So, I mean, that's a pretty um, <laughs> anecdotal way of measuring product market fit. But in, in any case, it kind of shows that there is something there that's probably... Um, like there's a nugget of a business there waiting yeah. to happen. So, so yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do a little bit of consulting on the side to pay the bills while I grow a photo journal. And uh, of course, in the middle of all that, I decided to try and start a font design workshop, <laughs> which <laughs> ended up uh, me and me and my partner, Jeff Archibald tried to, well, we, we did, we had a good, great uh, conference, but that ate up, two months of my life and uh <laughs> yeah and i yeah. and then after you know a little while of consulting i ended up coming aboard uh granify full-time so um which is a whole other i mean i think we've maybe talked about that decision in the past but yeah um so so in a way i was like okay i wanted to make a go of photo journal like there's something there um Granify is kind of like a bigger opportunity for me, so it makes sense to focus on that. Um, mm -hmm. And I was, for a couple months, 
after I started at Grandifies, my free time was basically spent finishing up all the contracting work that I had lined up earlier. And so it's only been in like the last, you know, couple weeks actually that um, I haven't had additional freelance work hanging over my head in addition to what I'm doing at Grandify. And I mean, Grandify is still like my number one priority. Like it's just, it's, it's far more valuable for me right now to spend my time working on and improving Granify. Yeah. Um, but, it, but that being said, like there's still, I still want to do something with photo journals. So I spent the last couple of weeks, like thinking, um, thinking hard about what I want to do with it going forward. Um, and I think the first, like, so the kind of the realization I came to was this, like not being able to like, not, not tracking metrics and being able to, measure certain parts of the business mm-hmm. were like the number one, um, the number one problem that I'm having with it. Like, like I said earlier, I'm basically operating it in the dark. So yeah, before I can even really decide what to do with it, I'm, I'm kind of just gonna, um, kind of sit back and like I've set up, I started, uh, integrating mix panel, which I, again, I know I saw Amy Hoy tweet angrily about mixed panel the other day, <laughs> but I've got to say like, it's actually really awesome so far. And I've just done like a light integration. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to add in some more things and bring in some more historical data, but I can do, I can answer all these questions that I've been unable to answer such as like when, at what point does the revenue from a customer tend to start dropping off or, um, you know, how, how much, what proportion of new trials lapse after a given amount of time and how is that changing? Like are, are more people continuing on to pay customers now than they were six months ago? Yeah. Um, and, and finding those drop off points so that I can do things like figuring out when to send a life cycle email and to who, and what should it be about? And so, so mixed panel is, I mean, I'm going from nothing. So maybe that's why it looks so awesome for me, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's already providing a ton of actionable insight for me. So uh, my plan right now is to kind of <laughs> watch the dials for a little bit and maybe run some experiments, especially with email. I think that that's um, the value of doing email correctly has really, um, that's something I totally didn't even think about until probably the last six months. I've started to really see the value that email can have not just newsletters but like the life cycle and retention emails yeah so um so there's some low-hanging fruit that i'd like to address and um i'm curious to see like what some of this measurement stuff tells me because then from there i'll kind of be able to gauge where to spend my efforts on next yeah yeah you know it, it would be interesting for us to maybe do another episode in about six months yeah. And just follow up on this and say, you know, what happened? Because I think there's, there is a, quite a few people that have started side projects or maybe they have, you know, a bunch of different side projects or maybe they've just launched, you know, their own SaaS app. And the, the truth is, is that, it, you know, it, it's kind of like slow, steady growth on a lot of these things. Um, it would be interesting, I think, for folks to hear, you know, what happened when, once you started tracking things, what became significant and, um, you know, how did that end up affecting photo journal as a business? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that I like, I would love to hear, I'd love to hear more people talking about like the, the nuts and bolts of like what metrics they track and what um, it, well, part of the problem is that it's very easy to get sucked into vanity metrics and things that don't really matter. Like, mm. um, like, and Google analytics is like famous for this, where it's just like, here's an overwhelming amount of information in some graphs. And like, I, I think it takes, you have, you've got to be pretty savvy to look at Google analytics and, and come away with an idea of what you should do next. Yeah. Um, so filtering out all that noise is pretty difficult and <laughs> distilling it down to, I, I can't remember who it was, but I recently read a blog post where they were like, they would only track one metric. Like they would look at one number and that would be uh, like kind of management would decide like whether it was retention or um, conversion or whatever it was, they would look at like one thing and just be like, we are going to blow this number out of the water over the yeah. next three months. We're going to raise it from this to this and basically ignore everything else. It's like, we're just going to like put everything we've got into increasing this one number. And the more I, the more I kind of like learn about this kind of stuff, I think that's what you've got to do. Like you've got to just um, figure out where you're, where the easiest problem is for you to solve and then just like focus all your effort on, on that one thing. And then, I mean, you can't ignore everything else, but it's a lot easier than sort of shotgunning everything and not really being sure how effective each different strategy is. Like that's just a recipe for burnout. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. I, I think that pretty much covers that. Like one other thing I would quickly mention, like to if anyone is thinking about doing some kind of, you know, starting up a SaaS business is um, just a quick note about like pricing. Um, we kind of arbitrarily picked our prices. And one thing that I like, and we, we also started with a free plan, uh, which we've since discontinued. And it hasn't, it hasn't affected, actually, I shouldn't say that, it's positively affected our paying signups. Huh. Um, so there's a lot of people who will just use something just because it's free. Yeah. And, and they don't make ideal customers because, um, I mean, Patrick McKenzie has talked about this in the past too, that your lower, lower paying customers are usually the most work to support. And I can say that that's totally true. Yeah. Um, not, not all free users. It's kind of like, you know, those old logic puzzles where it's like some blurbs are Zergs, but not all, Zergs are Zorks. <laughs> thing. It's kind of like, it's like that with free customers. It's like most support is caused by free customers, but not all free customers are a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That way. Um, so, so I've, I'm pretty happy with like that decision to, to no longer offer a free plan. I mean, you lose the opportunity to like, part of the reason you have a freemium model is because you want to, convince somebody to sign up for free, get them through the door and then through different strategies, try and upsell them on a paid account. But that's a lot of work. Like that's a whole other beast where you've got to like, you've got to have like some machinery in place to, to keep them engaged and um, keep making the value of the product evident. Yeah. Um, based on my limited resources, it's kind of easier to just come right out and say, this is why photo journal solves your problems and this is how much it costs. It's yeah. like you're either in or you're out. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is 
that affects how people perceive the value of what you're what you're offering. We get a lot of complaints from free users saying, "Why, why don't I get more storage, or why don't I get unlimited storage on the free plan?" Yeah, like basically, like why, like and angrily, like why aren't you giving <laughs> me more? Like this is this is so dumb that it's not like I can't use it for free or whatever. Yeah, and get more. But I've never had a single paying customer tell me that it was too expensive. So yeah, exactly. Uh, like the people who pay for it, like I, I think they're okay paying for it because to them it's worth sixteen dollars a month to not have a hosting account and have to worry about all this stuff. Like they get it, and because of that, because it's more valuable to them, um, they approach, they treat you and the product differently, right? Like you're doing them a favor. I guess, in a way, by letting them use it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, and what about pricing itself? Like, do you you guys feel like you you maybe made a mistake in choosing the price points that you chose? Um, I would. I, I flip flop between this because, um, on like a lot of days, I I think that photojournal should be more, um, and I've I've kind of, I mean, there's actually I've got. I basically have the code ready to go that um, I just haven't actually put it out that increases the prices and like keeps everyone who's currently on um, a paid plan and keeps them like grandfathered in at their current prices uh, just as an experiment to see how it goes. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, like there is a lot of competition in this. Well, not, not really with the blogging world, but like in the photography website kind of world, which is loosely what we get categorized as yeah um, there's a lot of competition but there's also a huge there's a huge number of photographers out there and so uh, like it's almost like an endless like an infinite market and so on the other days i'm like well if it was like you know 10 bucks a month like and i we just went for volume like I'm, that's where I'm, I'm not sure if it's like if photojournal is better as a low margin high volume business or uh high margin, low volume business. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not sure how to, how to figure that kind of stuff out. So, I mean, I'd like to charge more and everything. I, I was part of a mentorship program this summer and like everyone's, the first feedback I got was like, you need to raise your prices. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's something I'm going to consider doing here pretty quick. And mm -hmm. I mean, if I were ever to launch another product, I would do it differently. I would think, what can I build that people will people will pay fifty bucks a month for? Yeah. Like I would, I would start with a price point and then figure out how to how to like deliver that much value first, rather than the other way around. Because yeah, it, it it's just you know a lot more worth it to like each customer, every customer that you bring on, obviously you're making more money, so it's kind of more worth it to pursue if you've got like a minimum number and. I would set that minimum number at like 50 bucks and probably that's why I would end up if, if I do another product, it's like almost definitely going to be a business to business app just because businesses are okay with 50 bucks a month. Whereas most consumers, you know, $16 a month is like, well, that's getting up to almost 20 a month. Like, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, this is, this has actually been really helpful, Kyle. I think especially, you know, there's, there's some folks out there that, are in this space where they have something they've started and 
you know, they might have just started it a couple of weeks ago. They might have started it two years ago, but they're thinking, how do my metrics or how does my world compare to what other people have done or are doing? So I think just mm-hmm. having someone else to kind of, uh, you know, see what someone else has done and where they're at. And then also, you know, maybe identify with like, what are the next steps? Um, so for sure, if anyone out there has, you know, feedback or even ideas, uh, it'd be interesting if people have specific ideas for photo journal, uh, to have them, uh, you know, tweet at Kyle Fox or at product people TV and, uh, or, or even, uh, email us. Um, you can contact us through the website and, uh, and, you know, almost op- uh, crowdsource some ideas for the next steps for photo journal. That, that'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally, uh, I, I love talking about this stuff obviously. Cause I mean, we do a podcast about it. So like, yeah. I love hearing ideas about my own product or like if people have, like if you're building a, you know, a similar product, like in the photo space or something like that, I'm more than happy to just like chat about it. Or, or if you're thinking about building something like for sure, I love talking about it. So hit me up. Beauty. All right. Well, let's uh, end it there. Thanks again, Kyle. And uh, for everybody else, we'll see you guys next week. And thank you for being our listener. We really appreciate everyone that tunes in week after week and all those people that have been sending us encouragement on Twitter. That's at Product People TV. Please go to www.sprint.ly and sign up for a free trial and thank at Sprintly on Twitter. Don't want to miss a show? Make sure you subscribe. You can subscribe in iTunes or by going to our website, productpeople.tv. See you next time. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.